everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Adelic. I'm Mike Brancatelli. Thanks for being here. We got a great episode for you today. We got Hallie Rose on the show. Hallie is CEO of Lunar Wild and the host of the Thought Room podcast. Hallie just spent about four months down in Costa Rica at Sotara Ayahuasca Center, where I know some wonderful people living and working there, some healers and, and some other people. And uh, Hallie and I connected on Instagram. I was doing an Instagram live. I was supposed to do an Instagram live with someone and they and they didn't get the time right. And so I was just like doing a random one and and I saw that she had joined the chat and I I was like, oh, Thought Room Podcast. I was like, oh, come on here. Join in the convo. We chatted for a little bit and then just decided to, to do a podcast. So here it is. We just recorded our conversation for all of you to hear. And it was a great one. I really enjoyed it. So I realized, so as I was doing this intro, uh, I, I, I was like, I started talking about some things that were going on and I'm like, oh man, like I'm really, I'm really getting into some stuff here because I looked up and it was like 26 minutes in and I'm like, I can't do a 26 minute intro. So I decided to record a solo podcast and that's about an hour long. So I'll, that's releasing but this as well so whatever you know whatever I was talking about I you know I I remember early on in my podcasting career like I remember looking at like Duncan and Chris Ryan and and being like oh they have long intros like I could do I did like a 23 minute intro in front of the podcast right that I did with John Perkins who wrote the book Confessions of an Economic Hitman like what were you thinking dude like what are you doing (laughs) well they do it so I could do it but anyway, yeah, everything that I wanted to like say in that intro was uh, was uh, recorded for a solo podcast. So go check that out as well. I'm talking about going back to people, uh, the, the 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 surreal, weird feeling right now, the desire for things to 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 go back to normal, the desire to um, sort of ignore what's happening and and dive into business as usual, and you know what that means, and you know also a little bit of the cost of all of this, the cost of isolation, the cost of quarantine. You know, all, we're already living in a very isolated and separated society in a world civilization built on separation and loneliness and depression and suicides. And we're going to talk about this also tonight in Isolation Tank, which is the new series hosted by myself, Jennifer Sodini, with a bunch of incredibly wonderful human beings that I'm so happy to know and feel so familiar with, even though just getting to know all of them, Hallie being one of those. So Hallie is my my team member, my crew member in the Isolation Tank. We also have past podcast guests, the brilliant Trisha Eastman, Sophia Rocklin, Michael Phillip, uh, Jennifer Sodini, as I mentioned, uh, and then some some new people that I, I'm just starting to meet, Jeremy Johnson and Matt from Time Wheel and um, Richie and Jim and uh, Colin and uh, and so many wonderful, wonderful human beings that I'm, I'm just so happy to have this group uh, mind jam, mind meld, you know, thing going on with, with these wonderful folks and uh, everybody brings something really unique and creative and interesting, uh, to the equation. Oh, Michael Garfield. I forgot to mention him. Big shout out to him because he was on the show as well. And, uh, and yeah. And so, so the, yeah, we're going to get into that. Pay attention to that. 
And uh, that's really it. I mean, uh, you know, if you can support this show, it would mean a lot to me. Just do it in whatever way that you can. You know, um, I, I I suppose that like, you know, like if you really want to to help, that uh, that you can find a way to do that. There's links in the in the podcast thing. I know it's like a tough time right now for for everybody. Um, I mean, including me. But I love doing this. This is my passion. I I don't really do anything else. Uh, and so I mean, I I do, but I don't really want to. Uh, but um, but yeah, whatever you can do. Like uh, I always say too, it's like the best the best thing to do is also just like telling people about it. Hey, there's this show, Mikeadelic, with this crazy guy who talks about crazy things. Check it out. Um, so just yeah, do it. Do what you can. I appreciate the love and the care and the time and the attention that you take. Whatever you do, uh, it's awesome. All right. Well, without further ado, let's let's hop into this conversation. I, I don't see anything else. It's so weird having a, a a short intro, but I I think maybe this is what I'm gonna do. If I notice myself going over like 10, 12 minutes in the intro, I'm just gonna make that a solo cast, and I'll put it out the same time that I put out like I'm doing right now. Tell me what you guys think. Let me know. Reach out to me. Mikeadelic underscore podcast on Instagram. Mike Brancatelli on Facebook. Mikeadelic on Facebook. Um, you know, Mike Brank is my website, B-R-A-N-C. Message me. Let me know. Communicate with me. Chat with me. Rap with me. Talk with me. Tell me, you know, I encourage all kinds of feedback. Don't be shy. Reach out. I love hearing from you. How else are we going to build deep connection and deep community without truth, honesty, transparency, and connection? I'm, 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 I'm you and you're me. Let's, let's make it happen. All right. Without further ado, let's get in this awesome conversation with um, my uh, my new isolation tank crew member and uh, and friend, the great, wonderful, and wise Hallie Rose. Psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject the authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Yeah, you spent time living in Costa Rica recently, right? Like you spent about four months in Costa Rica? Yeah, I was living at Soltara Healing Center. That'll change your perspective for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. It it um it nothing short of completely changed my life for sure. Working with ayahuasca in general over the past year has created I don't want to say it's created. It's revealed 
a whole new being to me. Mm. What is that whole new being? <laughs> that, my friend, <laughs> is a very, uh, a very broad question, I suppose. I mean, I wouldn't really know where to begin with all the facets of my life that have, have truly changed as a result of working with this medicine. It's, it's melted into every corner of my life, truly. Yeah. And was that your first time uh, drinking ayahuasca? My first time drinking ayahuasca was in May of 2019. I went to Soltara as a guest and I did a one week retreat. So I had four medicine ceremonies and pretty limited psychedelic experience going into that compared to some. I don't know, whatever that means, limited, but... Um, and then I returned back to the U.S. and actually part of that experience with drinking the medicine for the first time was that one of the things that came through for me in two of my ceremonies was this idea of starting a podcast. Now, when we talk about the voice that talks to you when you're on psychedelics, um, some people think it's angels, some people think it's God, some people think it's their, you know, their spirit guides or ayahuasca, or some people just think it's their higher self. And maybe we just have access to the truth of who we are a little bit more cleanly in that space. So I don't know who it was exactly that was this voice that was um, kind of jarringly <laughs> just like inserting itself and, and very firmly telling me I needed to start a podcast. It was nothing, it was not something I considered like a central hobby of mine or really something that I had ever been lit up to do necessarily. Um, but then when I heard it, something touched me so deeply. It was just like a Tetris piece clicked and I was like oh wow I see how the threads of all the gifts that I've been cultivating over the course of my lifetime culminate to really make sense in this space so when I got home from Soltara I started dreaming up what this podcast would be what was I good at? What could I talk about? What was I passionate about? How, above all, could I just put my ego kind of in a corner and just show up to serve? Like, what did that even look like? So there were all these questions. And of course, with all the questions and creating something new, there arises all of these doubts. And that inner critic saying, like, who do you think you are to create this? And who wants to listen to you and all of these things that were really just coming up as shadows for me, trying to keep me small. And eventually I was flipping through my integration notes from Soltara and I had had this one deeply profound journey wherein I think this was probably one of my most profound moments of awakening to date. And 
I think about Eckhart Tolle's uh, stories and, and kind of his awakening happening all in one moment and this idea of splitting into two selves where suddenly there's the mind and then there's the higher self, whereas before awakening, they were just one and you couldn't actually become outside of the mind to just observe the situation. You were just kind of in the feeling. So for me, that moment occurred in ceremony where I was in this, I've told this story before on my podcast, but I was in this dark, infinite void, just this emptiness that extended into forever. And like a little droplet that fell down from the heavens, I had a a thought. And the thought just kind of blip appeared in this dark, infinite space as as a droplet of color. Mm. And I watched it sort of melt around me like somebody was melting Crayola or Dr. Seuss whimsical and things were spiraling out in all directions. And I was just looking around going, wow, this is beautiful. I'm, I'm inside of this experience. I'm inside of this thought. Wow. How lucky I am. How grateful I am for this medicine. What a, what a neat. And I was very much in the present moment of just experiencing what was coming up. But then all of a sudden I had the thought that was like, Oh wow. I wish I had someone to share this with. And then that sent me into a different space because I thought, Oh, I'm so lonely. And then the moment I had that sort of weighted thought, the room that I was in, this colorful kaleidoscope room went and it got super contracted and it got very black and white and I felt um, suffocated by my own thought and I felt the heaviness of it in such a real way that, and it was so immediate that it astonished me. So suddenly I had this awareness that my, it sounds simple to say now, but my thoughts were very much creating my reality and my thoughts were very much creating the feelings and the physical embodiments that I was experiencing. So in order to have a life full of energy and vitality and freedom, I needed to create thoughts that were in alignment with that. And to do that, I was going to need to discipline my mind. So for me, that was a major turning point, and I had written into my integration notes, use the thought rooms, use the thought rooms. So it was this idea of creating a thought based on the feeling that I wanted to feel. And as you know, the thought room has now become the name of my podcast. (laughs) Yeah, amazing. Wow. I feel like I've been to that place, too. Yeah, and yeah. you described it perfectly, that Dr. Seuss kind of color melting. Yeah, and it, it, mm. it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people that are pursuing, you know, just a life of learning and expanding and growing can sort of intellectually understand. Yeah, thoughts become things or thoughts create reality. Okay, yeah, I kind of get it on an intellectual level, but I think the the real benefit of drinking a medicine like ayahuasca or any psychedelic for that matter that can produce a profound effect like that is the total kind of 
you know, somatic experience, like the embodiment of the, of, of it and the emotional intelligence that, that comes with that, like that felt mm. sense of just knowing, seeing, feeling. Mm. Yeah. 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 That felt sense. I mean, there's so many ways that we can cultivate it. And once you get, it's one of those things, once you get it, you get it. And before you get it, you just don't. Mm-hmm. And I remember before I had really begun my psychedelic journey, one of the first times I experienced that was through this breath work that I did at home through like a YouTube video that someone had sent me. It was called the Ananda Mandala meditation and it just has you breathe on like this specific one two count and it's like 20 or 30 minutes long and I just remember like buzzing like electric shooting through my fingers could my hands were cramped up and I was just like this is from breath work like why I didn't know this was possible and it was like some kind of endogenous release of DMT or something. I don't know, but this experience was just through the roof. And then that got me interested in Tantra. And I'm not an expert on... Um, and when I'm talking about Tantra, I'm talking about... Because there are many Tantras, um, as in yogic teachings, but I'm talking about what people are specifically talking about in the West. When we talk about Tantra, we're usually talking about tantric sexuality and energy. And I got interested in how I could manipulate my own energy through the breath, through visualization. Could I heighten my own pleasure through simply those things? And Um, so I started training in that kind of before and like self-training, there's just a great book called urban Tantra that I was reading and doing some of the breath work exercises and really playing with, wow, I can really make myself, I can make myself feel a certain way. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's been a really neat part of my journey is understanding energy and how to alchemize it. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an important thing. It's such a, it's, and it's such a, like we all have it, you know, the power of the breath. Like, I mean, most people, I feel grateful to have the power of the breath, right? It's, and it's so easily accessible to us. And then learning that, like I I was talking about this last night, actually with some people. And, um, I brought up, uh, this Nikola Tesla quote that I like where he says, if you want to understand the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. It's like, I just heard that quote somewhere. I don't know where, but that's a beautiful quote. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, And we can see, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, problems that arise in in our lives and in the lives of the collective come from not being able to manage the frequencies and the energies that are just shooting out of us and that are shooting into us and it's just this crazy chaotic feedback loop that that Mm. uh yeah that that with some practice we can get we can get a, a hold on you know um yeah so i mean how do you think people who maybe are listening who want to practice that cultivating more of an awareness of their energetics, what would you recommend? Definitely. I mean, definitely psychedelics help, you know, I mean, I'm I like, I think that there, there are great, 
the psychedelics, I like psychedelics so much because they're so undeniable. When you're when you're in like a powerful psychedelic experience, it's it's pretty much undeniable and inescapable, you know. And if you if you run yeah. from it, if you deny it, it just creates more problems for you. It's it kind of brings everything, you know. What's that Carl Jung quote where he says like, if we want to under like if if we don't make the unconscious conscious, then it'll dictate our destiny. Mm-hmm. So if you if you run from it, like it's just going to create more problems. So you can't. You kind of have to surrender. And there's a sort of um, like what I would say, what I would say is like surrender to the natural ebb and flow of nature. Like we we aren't separate from nature. We are nature. And but because we're one of the only beings on the planet that actually has choice and also has knowledge of our own mortality, it's a real tricky predicament that we find ourselves in. So we try and like be really clever and dominate and control and contain the energy of nature and the the chaotic destruction of, of nature and the, you know, but, uh, but just like a psychedelic experience, it creates more problems. So I would say create silence, go into nature, try psychedelics, take deep breaths, listen. Mm. Yeah. Be open. That's a good one. (laughs) Surrender. Yeah. 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 Surrender. I think, surrendering also is very fem is a very feminine thing too like mm. the masculine is like the the trying to dominate and control and i think that's why we see a lot of the craziness in our in our world um you know it's it's interesting i mean it's it's just uh i think that if more people can learn the art of surrendering then there'll be a lot more Yo. peace preach <laughs> yeah totally so, yeah i mean i i love what you're saying and i love this idea of the undeniable effect of psychedelics in kind of placing you in that realm of surrender and you were asking me before about you know how has plant medicine changed my life that is one of the most rapturous ways in which plant medicine has changed my life is Choosing to surrender, choosing to surrender, choosing to surrender. And whenever I become aware that I'm resisting something, which is not always, but when I become aware, I feel I have a responsibility to open into it. And um, like, for example, I just recently went through a breakup Mm. and It's been super challenging for a variety of ways because as relationships do, they bring up uh, all of your core woundings and your shadows and they dance together. And I think that in the ending of our relationship, which I would say was primarily my decision, I felt perhaps a little righteous in in that decision and I think I spiritually bypassed some of the anger and sadness that I was having over it simply because I've experienced so much loss in my life that I just went you've got this you've come on you've had things that were way more traumatic than this which is true I definitely have But that doesn't negate the pain that may be there. So the other day, this was like two nights ago in meditation, 
I was sitting there and my heart has kind of felt blocked for maybe a week or a couple of weeks just in general. And I'm, I'm not finding it as easy to access my compassion or wanting to give my time to others like normal. And it's really agitating me. Like it doesn't feel like me and I just want it to go away. And of course, when we want something to go away, we just end up pushing harder and not really being with what's there. But I went into meditation And I was just asking, okay, how do I open my heart? I desire to open my heart. And what I saw was this movie montage of thoughts. At first, I wasn't aware because they just popped up. And they were thoughts about my ex-lover. And they were not kind thoughts. They were like yeah, he's starting that new project. He'll see it's not gonna, it's not gonna take off or it's, of course he's starting it now just after I, you know, after we end and I've been encouraging to do him, you know, like all of these things were coming up and it was like, I secretly found out that I wanted him to be unsuccessful so that I could feel righteous and better. And I was like, yo, dude, So the moment I noticed that, I actually felt this great sense of relief because I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. Very nice trick, Hallie. And then I just redirected that energy and I said, okay, what's really going on here? And it was just all this love that had no place to go and all of this grief that had no place to go and thinking about the very sudden jarring ending to the relationship that was not anticipated I needed to do something with it. So I just sat with it and I just kept repeating, I desire peace. I desire peace. And I actually envisioned he and I in my mind space sitting across from each other with our hands on each other's hearts, just exchanging love energy and healing energy. And after that, I felt so much lighter and I actually reached out to him and I said, hey, uh, I know this is out of nowhere. I know we haven't really spoken and I understand this message may not be well received, but if you have space for it, I would love to talk to you and know that I have no expectation of the conversation other than to hear and understand your hurt if there was any because I feel I didn't give you the chance to express what your hurt was and that I desire peace. And if at any point in the conversation you feel uncomfortable or you feel that you need to leave, know that there would be no judgment on my end for that. And we ended up having like a four-hour just beautiful healing conversation on the phone and understood that I felt some sense of betrayal and what I know now um, after a lot of self-work is that whatever we experience, we were probably doing to another and whatever we're blaming somebody else for, we were probably doing. So I said, you know, I'm experiencing these feelings of betrayal. I'm wondering if there were ways in which you felt betrayed by me. So we got to kind of go down this beautiful rabbit hole together and just very calmly discuss our feelings and 
Pachamama, I mean, plant medicine, seriously, ayahuasca, mushrooms, that has been my training to be able to communicate like that. It's taken a very, very long time because part of the ego just wants to be right and you want that person to fight for you and apologize and grovel over you and say they were wrong and so you can feel good and I was like that yeah but that doesn't help me grow like what's gonna help me be a better person so yeah I can definitely relate to that um yeah and, and it's it's you almost you really kind of um you really do help yourself when you're able to kind of surrender into that experience, you know, and, 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 you know, the ego is useful in its, in certain thing, in certain areas, but in certain areas it, it, it's, you know, I guess really what it is, is it's trying to protect us and keep us safe. But really that is, uh, a comfortable place that can be limiting, you know, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when it's like, it, it's so strange, but you know, a lot of the things that I've experienced and that I've read that have confirmed have all led me to believe that when there's this like uncomfortable, you know, energy or this kind of jealous or cynical, resentful kind of, it's like, it's a message that you're, that you, you could, you could choose to lean into like you did. And on the other side of that is something unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? You probably know it. Um, that Terrence McKenna quote about the feather bed. Do you know that one? Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's jumping out. It's jumping out of an airplane with no parachute on to to feel like to to realize that you land in a feather bed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of that. That's to me what surrender is. It's like I don't know how this looks on the other side, but I know it feels better to to jump out of this plane and be free than be trapped in something that's going down you know yeah and i think you reorganize your like karmic energy or whatever when you choose to walk that path when when you choose like the the sort of this sort of like the narrative of our mainstream kind of culture of like, well, he did this, so screw him and I'm going to get mine. And you know, this kind of winner take all zero sum mentality that all that does is just add more fuel to the fire. And then you wind up in this game of stacking on top and on top and mm-hmm. on top, you know, and, and I've been there, you know, and it's, it doesn't, there's no way out. It's just like, you just have to keep going into oblivion. <laughs> Totally. This other way, you destroy your ego first. You get rid of it, and then you move it out of the way, and then you and then you walk past, you sneak past the guards, and then you're able to kind of communicate what you need to communicate, and you grow and you open. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You it's really about just like almost lying down and showing your belly first. That kind of makes you the strongest, you know. And it invites other people to do the same. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really important, I think. And maybe that is why you have been called to create a podcast because there's a particular, you know, voice that you have that is like a particular shade of color that has never existed before in that black abyss of infinity that you experienced that is particular to you and, and nobody else. And that your signal, your frequency is going to resonate with people and they're going to be able to do things that they never thought that they were going to be able to do. 
I, I, I firmly believe that. I love that. that. Yeah, I Thanks, firmly Mike. believe that. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the pep talk. I accept. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do, I do think that, I mean, that is what I learned through my podcast is people telling me, you know, before like Brene Brown and vulnerability became cool or whatever, you know, like I just started yeah. opening up cause I needed, I needed a therapist and I just started. So podcasting. you were first is what you're saying. What? You're better than Brene. Oh no, no. I mean like before I knew anything about it, like before it became like, like something that people talked about, like I didn't know anything. I just, yeah, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm better than Brene. I've authored zero books. Can we make but... that into a, a bumper sticker? Hashtag better than Brene. Yeah, <laughs> better than Brene. Before Brene and better. I'm the hipster Brene Brown. No, but I just, what I mean is that like, I just was opening up and talking about things that I never thought in a million years I would. And the responses that I was getting back from people were amazing. And that was mm. like, and that mattered more to me than anything else that like, that people mm. were saying like, oh my God, like you have no idea. This helps so much. Like blah, blah, blah. Like you're in my head. Like you're talking about what I'm thinking. And I believe that, that, that maybe we're in a period of time right now where the earth, the planet reality desperately needs people to be activated to, to unleash and unfurl and open themselves and, you know, excavate their souls for all of us to explore you know mm, totally and I have to echo what you're saying that absolutely is my favorite part of doing the podcast of course there's the interviews themselves but being active in the community and I think that's how you and I met actually is just kind of this online podcasting community via Instagram and I get so lit up when people tell me that something changed their perspective or changed their mind. I We just did an episode last week on sacred sexuality. And it was, it was so great for me because I have a lot of men on my podcast and I've been searching for women. So I finally got to, you know, interview a friend of mine who came down to Soltara to do some medicine work. Her name's Sarah Regalhuth. And we ended up talking about sacred sexuality. We talk a little bit about Tantra. We talk about period sex and all of these things. And I just had a flood of men message me after being like, hey, thank you. I feel like I've never been allowed to hear a woman talk about period sex before or what that really feels like or what she really wants and um they said like you know you're you're making me look at my relationship with my partner with my daughters you know how how I'm raising them all of this and thank you for for helping me observe my own toxic masculinity which is funny because I never even I never used that term or projected that term in the podcast but it's, it's fascinating to see how people kind of connect to themselves in the words that they hear. Yeah. Well, toxic masculinity it can be, women can have it too. Mm. Yeah. Word. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's just really, it just represents sort of an idea, I think. You know, it's yeah. a it's a embodied ethos or ideology, toxic ideology, really. You know, the, mm. the ideology of... Um, you know, domination and, and control and, you know, shutting down and masking and, you know, the, a lot of these kinds of things, aggressiveness. Uh, yeah, it really, um, 
I, th- I think it's really it's really helpful. It's really useful to to open up that dialogue. And you know, there's a lot. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of. I really truly believe in uh, the, the kind of the state of the world in which we find ourselves in today is a, is has a lot to do with the fact that we have severed our connection with the natural world, with the feminine, with the mystical, with the the unknown, with the mystery, right? A lot of that has to do with the lack of ritual and the lack of ceremony mm. that a lot of indigenous communities know and cherish their mm. particular kinds of mythology and, and their forms of worship and what they consider to be sacred. Right. Um, but also this idea that uh, that there's no initiation rites really anymore so we have a lot of we have a lot of we have a lot of men you know so joseph campbell talks about this in in terms of saying that like women sort of have an initiation because they go through a bio like a something that happens to their body as you just brought up like you get your period that's yeah sort of something that is almost like i mean it is like a psychedelic experience in a way because it's like you cannot run away from it. It is, yeah. it is undeniable. And there is a, a literal change happening. Whereas men don't necessarily have anything like that. So we're not confronted with um, this real sort of change, this real tangible, palatable change. Uh, whereas in a lot of uh, indigenous uh, societies, and Campbell talks about like uh, the Upanishads and a bunch of other, uh, you know, groups of people that would uh that would like kidnap little boys in the middle of the night and like everybody's kind of in on it and they like take them to the forest and they wear these masks to scare them and it's this 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 ceremony of becoming Mm -hmm. a man to like to to be worthy enough to step into a realm of achieving more wisdom to to hold and carry the values the morals and the ethos of the tribe you know, mm-hmm. and now we just see that like, wh- where is that? Like, how, where does that exist? Like, you turn twenty one, you can drink a beer. Like, that's our, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what you are talking about right now really hits home for me, and in fact, it's the reason that I started my company a few years ago. Which I don't even know if you knew that I did this. What's your company's but name? I'm the CEO of a company called Lunar Wild. Lunar and Lunar Wild, what does Lunar Wild do? Lunar Wild is a sacred rite of passage gift for young women when they first start menstruating. It was based on yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. See, this that is you why I don't do up. research because I like to be surprised. Yeah. No, me too. Um so it it was an idea that came to me after I went on a ten day vision quest in the desert in 2017, just kind of fasting solo and being with myself at a little bit of a quarter life crisis and came out so infatuated with the idea of sacred rites of passage as rituals, as initiations and looked around at Western culture and I said, where is this? Like, where is this? Especially for young women, as you were just saying, it's physiologically inevitable and studying psychology as I have, I know that this event is incredibly poignant in a young woman's life. And any man or woman person listening to this could ask women in their lives, hey, do you remember the story of your first period? 
And I would bet like 99% of women remember exactly where they were, who they were with, maybe even what they were wearing, you know, how, if they if they had information about that event or if it just, came, like you said, came out of the blue like a psychedelic experience and hit them. Um, so given that this event happens once in a woman's lifetime for the, you know, for that first time, why, if we know how much psychological power it has to last to the day she dies, why are we not choosing in that one moment to make it a positive one? Why are we not initiating her into the gift of womanhood, into feeling like she's part of a sacred blood sisterhood? She's part of creation. Every person on the planet has a woman's body to thank for being here. Why are we still denigrating (laughs) menstrual blood? I don't know. So this was the idea, you know, behind Lunar Wild. And I agree, it also needs to be present in some way for young men. I don't know, maybe someday we'll we'll launch a ritual box that's really cool for young men as a, a sacred rite of passage gift. But yeah, so that that's the story behind the foundation of Lunar Wild. Wow. So cool. That's, that's awesome that you're doing that. And, uh, so what, what, uh, so what do you do with Lunar Wild? Like, do you uh, explain a little bit more about, uh, what you. Yeah. So it's this box that I've curated. It's like a giant treasure chest full of amazing gift items from all women run companies. It's all eco-sourced, you know, organic, um, sustainable businesses, small businesses that we support. And I basically wanted to give each girl a better first period experience with everything that she needs for that moment. So we have, of course, all of the things that she would need for period management in like a very cool way, not just like your typical pads and tampons, uh, but We have so many new technologies coming out now, especially ones that are more sustainable for the earth, like menstrual cups or, you know, we've got period underwear, washable pads and all of this stuff. So I really wanted it to be this thing where she could have the agency to figure out what is best for her body. I mean, we don't generally give young women, girls permission to say what feels good for them and what doesn't. We just tell them what to do and what to feel. And for me, this is the crux of the issue because as a woman, if I cannot speak up about what feels good or does not feel good for me, how can I expect myself to be able to connect intimately with a man if I cannot feel like I can express that to myself or to others? How can I teach him what feels great for me later on in life. So it really starts there for me. It's about education. And then the other things in the box are just like a beautiful assortment of self-care goods. We have bath salts, we have chocolate, we have a candle, we have a tea that's made uh, with with medicinal herbs for balancing hormones and, and a little beautiful bracelet with um, mantra cards. So it's this whole ritual experience. Right, that's awesome. Do you do you think that, um, or would you like to see, or maybe you have ideas about uh, adding more to that ritual experience? Like, do you think that it could be like sort of a ceremonial experience, or are, or do you hear people doing things like that, like making it? You know, um, I guess it's all it's all it's all up to like the 
the mother maybe, or like the people, the women in the, in the life, you know, like I imagine, and I know, I know nothing. So I'm just going off the top (laughs) of my head here, but I'm imagining that it could be very, uh, it could be a very like profound healing sort of moment to like usher in a new era to have like a circle or um, some kind of uh, thing that, that occurs in a ceremonial way. And just, just talking about it also in an open way and, and, and honoring it as sacred. Absolutely. And even to back up a little further, um, after my vision quest experience, I went back to my apartment in Brooklyn and I'd left my job. I was just in this place of, by the way, my old job, back in 2017 was a nanny for celebrities. So (laughs) I've had like quite, and then before that I was an elementary school teacher. So I've had like all these little different pockets in my life, but I was there at a crossroads going, what am I going to do now? Who am I? Like who actually am I (laughs) and why am I here? And I have this suitcase full of diaries that I've been keeping been keeping diaries since I was 1997, so seven years old. And I have stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of journals. And so after this vision quest, I was like, all right, I have no idea who I am. Let me study myself. And I got out these diaries and I flicked through and I began reading and reading and reading about my first kiss and the first time I had sex and the first time I did this and when that traumatic thing happened and when that beautiful thing happened and just getting this fleshed out sense of myself. And then I came to this journal entry where I started my first period and I described how my mother told me that she had been waiting her whole, well, my whole life um, for this moment. And that when she found out she was pregnant with a girl, she had been fantasizing this moment in her head and she couldn't wait to welcome me to womanhood. And she told me all these wild and wonderful tales about indigenous culture, aboriginal culture, the red tent, the moon lodge, and the idea of the moon lodge being this sacred space for women to go be in meditation, to be in prayer, to be with each other, to commune with spirit. And it was seen as the time where women were most psychically potent or that that veil was the most permeable for them to travel back and forth. And then they would go, they would be in that space and they would bring back their medicine and integrate it after their moon time into the community. And this was the type of thing that informed the laws, the decisions, or maybe if it was a nomadic group when they were going to move. So this was an incredibly sacred time. So, of course, I was just listening to my mom with my eyes as big as saucers. And she told me about women's bodies being linked to the earth cycles, to the moon. Like, how cool is that? And that women in history, you know, before we started getting all these artificial lighting and Wi-Fi and like all of these things that kind of throw off our hormone cycles, Um, all the foods that we eat as well. Before all of that, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, uh, women would generally menstruate on the new moon and they would ovulate around the full moon. And, you know, a large portion of the population was synced up as such. And that there's no mistake about Like, that's not a coincidence that our bodies follow this moon cycle. And also the idea that 
human beings, women, getting their period is really one of the only times that any creature on the face of the planet, period, end of story, pun intended, bleeds without something being severely wrong. Now, what we know about evolution is that when traits are not really necessary, they over time get bred out. Yet women still have periods. So there must be some important reason because other all look at all the other mammals and look at all the other things that have babies that don't bleed right um some things do like dogs but um like they're for me there I think there's more to it than that I think women experience such unnecessary catharsis when they receive their period and I know it's a running joke, you know, the PMS thing with men and I'm not like trying to paint everyone with a brush, but that idea of like, oh, she must be on her period. And what I would love to see is more men really understanding the delicious gift that is is a woman in her creativity, in her moon time how powerful that is, how grounding that is. And if you respect your lover's moon time and you come to her, you ask her if she needs space, you ask her if if you can give her a foot rub, if you can draw her a bath, if you can make her a cup of tea, I promise you the gifts that will come back to you if you're just doing that out of a place of genuine giving, you will be amazed how much power, how much intimacy comes back to you if you honor that time. Yeah. End rant. <laughs> it's a good, it was a good one. <laughs> yeah. there, and, and, you know, it just, um, I, I have a tendency to kind of always think of, a, of the larger kind of historical civilizational framing of things. And I'm thinking of just like how... You know, we're talking about like toxic masculinity or whatever, like the patriarchy, like these kinds of things, these ideas. And you look at sort of the way in which civilization has evolved into the into the present moment in which we currently find ourselves right now. And you brought up Wi-Fi and electricity. And last night I was on this live podcast thing and we were talking about 5G and you know, the radiation, I've been reading about electromagnetic frequencies. And so it's, but it almost seems like this sort of like this masculine idea of conquering and controlling has also bled, pun intended, I guess, into, (laughs) into this, this, this control of women, this control Mm. of women and women's bodies and how, you know, what is acceptable and not acceptable and what's tolerated and not tolerated and, Mm-hmm. and and the the entire but the unfolding of that comes there's so much power you know it, like it, it makes me really sad whenever I hear that women can't like fully express themselves or they can't speak up and because I I look at I look at uh you know like it, it just you have so much power you know I mean we both complement each other I mean obviously that's why we're here but the the total amount of power for the totality of the human uh, species 
is only like a fraction of what it what it's capable of because we've been we've limited so much of it. I mean, and you know, it's like um, just look look around the world at all the the laws and the rules and the regular like all these things that are imposed upon women and men to 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 a, to a degree, but but more so women. The controlling of of a woman's body and the, and the shaming of of it, and what you know what comes of that. It's just it's all just terrible things that that manifest out of that. And then you get this like this pressure because there's this repression and this oppression. And then you know I was talking about how women can also embody toxic masculinity too because it's a way to say well we're being pushed down. No, we're going to have exactly what men have. We want to have, and that I believe is like maybe not what you want as well. You want to be f- a fully empowered woman in, in all of its, mm-hmm. in all of her essence. Right. And that's what I would like too. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. men would like that. It's not that we want to be the same. We want to be individuals in our own power and our own integrity. And man, what kind of magic can come of that? Like what you were describing to me, your mom, first of all, sounds awesome. Like, <laughs> wow, what a cool experience to have that. When I started going through my changes at puberty, nobody told me anything. Like I had pornography that I would like steal from a store, like a magazine or something or like on the internet and nobody, I had no one in my life that was like, Oh, Mm. this is what's going on. And this is what, you know, none of that stuff. Um, and I, you know, grew up with a very kind of like toxic view of like what sex and relationships were, you know, it was just not, didn't know. Um, but what you're describing to me and your mom and the moon ceremony, the moon lodges and all this kind of stuff, it just, it reminded me of this just beautiful vision of the world where we could all live like kings and queens in, in, in these empowered yeah. tribal communities that are like whole and healing and together and engaged in the, the, in a participatory, a participatory action of the unfolding mystery of life, you know? Mm. And I think, you know, with current events, that's what we're seeing that a lot of us are being kind of forced into now to evaluate how we've been spending our times, our time. I know that so many people have had difficulty adjusting to this, this space that they've been given because we are in such a mode of action. We are in that masculine energy doesn't and I'm using the term masculine because we're talking about like the yin yang here not necessarily that you're a man uh, or a woman but you know even myself adjusting to the extra time was just like I was trying to manically fill it with things that didn't matter just because I was anxious but then you know once you identify that you can kind of come back to yourself but I know a lot of people are really struggling with that right now and I like what you were saying before about the women and the men and women being like, well, we want to have what men have. And it's kind of actually coming across in this aggressive way. And this is another reason that I started Lunar Wild, because I believe if we are going to bring the masculine and feminine energies of the planet back into balance, we need to bring the feminine forward in a feminine way. You can't bring the feminine forward in a masculine way. So you know, I used to get invited to like a lot of kind of like angry feminist rallies and sort of things like that and be like, I found they were very centric on what they wanted to tear down instead of what they wanted to build up, like not my president or this and that. And it was like, okay, but 
I believe in the law of attraction. So if I'm thinking all the time about how much I hate things and how much I don't want that and how much life is unfair, I'm not actually creating anything. I'm not in my feminine. I'm not in my creatrix and I'm not in my power. So for me, I said, what can I create that imbues the world with more of this beautiful, sensual, receiving, femininity, gifting power that I so desire to see? And that's what I did. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it's it, because I I feel like I can relate to that on like the, the male side of things too. But but the, um, you know, like early on in my kind of um, inquiry into philosophy and getting curious about psychology and different things, like I found myself in very like libertarian kind of anarcho-capitalist camps of like, this is an atheist. Like I was like an atheist anarchist, <laughs> like probably the, the, wor- the worst person to talk to at a party. <laughs> and, and then what psychedelics yeah then psychedelics <laughs> happened but but it was like uh you know this the, the certainty the amount of certainty the amount of fever the fever pitch of of like of that 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 certainty but it it like what you had suggested was like if you really want to change things right and and i would say that i would argue that maybe a lot of people don't really want to change things Maybe they just want to participate in the drama because it gives a sense of meaning and purpose. You're fighting against this thing. We have a target. We have an enemy. We're the heroes. We're morally superior. Yeah. You know, and... Identified with the suffering. Identified. United in it. United in the suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a particular kind of game that's available to play, you know, and people... Who's to say that, I don't know, you know, I'm, I, that's not me. That's not for me. It sounds like that's not for you either. So it's like. No, but, but it used to be. Right. Like, right, so right. I get it. I get it. Yeah. For sure. Well, that's good that you experienced that because now you're on the other, you've, you've, uh, you've come out on the other side here and you're continuing to, to move up and for, you know, not that it's like a hierarchy, but we're continuing to move through lots of experiences. And I think that really helps, especially having a voice, uh, you know, owning a company and, and having a podcast, you're able to really speak from experience. Mm-hmm. You really have seen and experienced what, you know, these things are, which a lot of people are going through. And, um, and understandably too, because the world is chaotic and we want to make sense of it. And we want a, mm-hmm. a story, we want to, you know, we want a, a story that makes sense of, of our position in it, you know. Totally. And going back to that idea of, the game, the game, one of the games that's available is like, I think that I used to feel very powerful when I could manipulate and maybe it wasn't conscious. So I'll give myself that. It's not like I was a terrible person consciously aware that I was trying to do harm. It was that I think in a lot of ways, I didn't understand how to find power within myself. And I felt like I was a little paper boat being tossed around in the ocean of how the world was interfacing with me as a young woman and having all of this sexuality projected at me and feeling like, okay, I don't want, I don't want that. I'm not asking for that from these people, from these strangers. What can I do now to feel like I'm in in control still because this is like horrible people are just yelling at me 
when I'm walking down the street or backing their cars up and following me down blocks or sending me DMs about really vulgar things they want to do to my body and I don't even know them. So I used to mess around with people and I used to kind of throw it back at them or say something that would just intellectually drive them into the ground because I knew I was like, well, they don't think I'm smart. Well, let me show them and I'll just make them feel absolutely stupid. And I could. And um, for a while, I think I got off on that because it was the only way that I knew how. And now after a lot of personal work, a lot of healing and a respectable amount of plant medicine, I realize that I feel the most powerful when I do surrender. And that especially with my nature as woman, I feel the most connected to source when I surrender. And because the beginning of life was harsh, I put on a really strong masculine mask where I just had to protect myself and take care of myself and organize and be that CEO. But my most recent relationship told me so much about the pure bliss of when you can like fully in the most juicy way just surrender to someone more deeply than you ever have before like to look someone in the eye and be like I'm terrified here still have my control (laughs) it is the most heart exploding alive feeling that one can ever feel yeah yeah I don't know when I came around to this way of thinking but I remember thinking because I I'm like on the same path as you, you know, or have traveled the same path as you where I would love to, I would get really get excited about like Twitter beefs. Like I would really get excited about like, (laughs) I'm going to smack this person down. I'm going to slam this person. I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to show them that I know what's up, you know? And, um, (laughs) and, and the hate and the vitriol and the, um, the DMs that you would get and like the vulgarness, like that sort of thing. You know, there was a point where I was starting to think of those things as just like, oh, okay, wow. You know, like how, what is, what is this person going through? You know, or what is this person feeling or what is this person's life experience that's causing them to behave in this way? And I had this like moment of like thinking about like at the time, I think it was like, like ISIS was like a big problem. And I just remember being like, yeah, I feel really bad for them. You know, I feel really bad that, that, cause to have that experience, you know, the, the, the mainstream kind of story, the narrative is like American United States, like we're the good guys, we're the heroes. We're going to go over, we're going to defeat the villains, you know, and that logic applies to everything. We even see it right now with coronavirus. We're going to fight the virus. We're going to conquer the virus, going to win, you know, um, very masculine, you know, energy mm-hmm. as well. But this idea of being like, wow, I really am looking into what it must be like to live in that experience, to live in the experience of hate, to live in the experience of being like a catcaller or being like, mm-hmm. you know, somebody that is a, 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 a aggressive and um, who, you know, violates other people's space and, and things like that. 
that there's got to be something off there, that that person's got to be suffering. That person needs love, needs compassion, needs to be taught, needs to be educated, and probably doesn't need to be smacked down by me, you know, because what, what is that going to, so I started turning, I started like, like approaching it. At first I started being sarcastic. Like if someone left like a comment on a YouTube video or something like, Oh, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Or like, you know, blah, 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 whatever. I'd be like, Oh, Hey, thanks for the positive criticism. Like, thanks for the critique. I really appreciate you adding value to this conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, it, it is, I don't know. How do you learn? How does one learn that? Like what, Mm. You know, like how is that? That's just something because I, I, I can't even remember how it emerged for me. Yeah, actually, it's funny thinking about this. I don't know why, but I feel like I've quoted this maybe four or five times in the last week in various contexts. But I'm actually thinking of something that Jesus said, which was forgive, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like whoa, man, to be like on your deathbed and just be like, hey, they don't get what they're doing. They're not there yet. Like their consciousness isn't up to par. And this is another thing about plant medicine is like, I feel like when you experience a certain depth of plant medicine, then you come back to the sacred texts, be it the Bible, be it the Upanishads, be it we know whatever you're reading. It's like it has new meaning and you're like oh it's all the same stuff that they've been saying for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and like i get it man yeah but when it comes to what you're saying like how do we cultivate that compassion it is about dissolving that idea of that we're separate from others And I think that definitely comes from having some sort of mindfulness or meditative or awareness sort of practice. For me, that was my initiation into that was just listening to the Tara Brock podcast. Oh, yeah. She's great. I knew nothing about like anything. Like I didn't meditate. I didn't really even do yoga. I think I was just in the middle of yet another heartbreak and I felt so gutted and a friend had sent me that and I just like listened to her for eight hours straight and I think I had like my first awakening and I was like oh my god this pain isn't this pain is like it's it's not outside of me it's not on that person like it's all originating within me and and this person is my teacher and oh I get to thank them because something that bothers me a lot might not bother somebody else at all. Something that bothers me a lot could be nothing for somebody else. Um, yeah, I mean, I was even talking to someone the other day that said that, you know, this whole virus thing, their parents went to the grocery store and brought home like a ton of veggies for them. And I was like, hey, we we got you these veggies. We thought you would like love this because we saw you were getting sort of low. And this person was actually mad at their parents. They were just like, I didn't ask you to do that. Um, you didn't ask me if I needed more. And I don't want to waste stuff. I'm never going to go through all of this. And it's like, 
for me, that wouldn't really bother me. If someone brought me home a ton of veggies, I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm going to juice this. I'm going to make a soup out of it. Like that was so thoughtful of you. Thanks for thinking of me. But to this particular person and what their woundings were and are, that was triggering. Yeah. So to just recognize that it's not the event, man, right. it's how we're perceiving it. Totally. hundred percent. And I think that it's this little mini like call to adventure, like hero's journey sort of, uh, you know, um, invitation that comes up, uh, you know, every moment where you're presented with a choice and how to respond. Are you going to, are you going to deny what's in front of you? Or are you going to hot, like reject what's in front of you? Or are you going to act out host with hostility? And, you know, are you going to unconsciously project some, you know, like we have like, it's a million choose your own adventure novels that you can write that are right in front of you. How do you know when you've like, do you get a sense of like a pass fail? Like, Oh man, I just failed that spiritual test or like, okay, yeah, I'm really proud of the way that I handled that situation. Like, is there a barometer for you of that? And what does that look like? I feel like I tend to know immediately. <laughs> I feel like I tend to know, like, even if I'm saying something, uh, like so sometimes I could respond in a way that I don't really want to respond or, I, or I'm, re I'm being reactive and I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm doing it and it's happening and I can't stop it. And I'm like, ah, oh, but I want to, I should, but I'm not, it's coming out, you know? Yeah. And at least I have the, uh, that awareness, you know, right. whereas in the past, like I, I sort of look at my life, you know, in terms of like, like, I feel like I was sort of unconscious, especially when I was like a teenager, when I was in high school, I was very, I was very like angry and, you know, like re rebellious and stuff and, and, um, aggressive. And it was just all reaction, reaction. But I just, I really, I think that the, the barometer I think is that when when I don't feel the need to immediately jump into something, you know, if someone says something, if I feel triggered, if there's, you know, to immediately react, I think that more times than not, I've noticed that it's really about, you know, back to what we were talking about before, the breath is not even you know, actually taking a breath, but a, like what the breath represents, which is space, air, room, mm. expansion, rather than tightness, rigidity, contraction, you know? Um, so oftentimes when I, when I feel that I'm doing well or that I'm doing good in situations and relationships is when I feel that space exists, you know, when I feel like I'm in that open room with that Dr. Seuss color painting coming out at me, like when I'm in, when I'm, when I'm tapped into that and when I'm not, then I at least have the awareness now to know that I'm not and I could catch myself, but I, it, I could, I could feel the difference totally. What about you? Mm. Yeah, I think for one paying very close attention to how I feel because I know that even if I'm ashamed or embarrassed or maybe I'm at fault, but I say that and I say, hey, I, f I failed to understand you or I I'm apologize for that. 
I still get that ballooning lightness in my heart. It's like, I don't know how they're going to react. They may not react well, but I know at least I've done my piece to act in the highest good that I possibly can in this situation. And so I'll feel that kind of golden firework in my heart, just like a sense of, of lightness, of rightness, of goodness. And then when you say something shitty, like you said, I actually physically experience it as like a shrinking or a, a blocking or a density in mm-hmm. my energetic field. And it's like, ew, I don't want to feel that. And that's all the more motivating for me to to speak the truth and to be a good person. And I always think like, why did I come here? I came here to learn. And I'm saying here like planet Earth. I came here to learn and to have the human experience and to feel alive. Now, I can numb out from all the pain. Lots of people live their lives that way. But the most alive I feel, as I said before, is when I am surrendering or when I'm facing the pain or whether I am staring my dragons down right in the face. There's a certain level of like magical adrenaline that happens when you're like, fuck, I don't know the outcome of this, but like I'm here and I'm alive and I'm experiencing it. So you can go around your whole life masking and protecting and asleep Um, or you can stare at it all in the face and show up to receive the reflections that are all around you totally and I feel like it's all it's all about like what video game character do you want to be and what kind of game do you want to play do you want to be the victim because that's available you can do it you know you can be that and we've all, we all, and it's not like this static thing either. I think for me, it's, it's also like it, 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 it comes in and out too. Like I'm not consistently not the victim, you know, I'm like, I'm not consistently this one thing. I'll like, I'll fall into, oh shit. Like I'm being, I'll embody like this, oh, I'm the victim, you know, mentality for like a little while and then I'll come out of it and I'll go, oh wait, that was silly. Like, why did I think that? And I think that has value too. Like I, I tend to get little depressed here and there sometimes. And I feel like if I go, you know, there's this sort of, we always want like, we want the cure for all these things, but I really do think that there are important messages to listen to and, you know, like in our, in our bodies and what's going on in our environments and tuning into that, going to, everybody wants to have psychedelic experiences and go talk to God and see the fireworks and the rainbows and everything. But there's also value in the darkness as well. There's you know, creation, destruction go hand in hand. And as far as I'm concerned, like. And I love this because this circles right back around to what we were saying before. And when we were talking about women and cycles, yeah, there's a natural duality to this life. There is so much beauty in the contrast. There's the dark side of the moon and the light side of the moon. And we need to embrace them both to find our true wholeness. And I think especially for women, maybe we get an unfair advantage to like dancing with emotional upswings because it's like happening upswings and downswings because it's happening for us every single month. But we become very, very comfortable dancing with our shadows. Cause we, I mean, we have to, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's so. a I think there's just there's just a value in it. There's a value in there's a, also maybe a gratitude that can come of it too. You know, when it's been raining and cloudy for a week and then all of a sudden the sun's out and shining and the trees are green, it's like, wow, like there's an appreciation that comes with that too more. And in conversation with people, like what you were saying before about um, the feeling that you have, and uh, I believe that you said, well, what I got from what you were saying and what I thought about was like naming it, like calling it by its name and putting the language to the feeling, right? And like, even if that's uncomfortable, which it kind of is because we're not really trained in that way. And a lot of people are trained to be obedient and follow the rules of polite society. And, you know, if somebody is saying something to you, you know, don't call them out on it or, or something like that. Um, or we have a tendency to go in the opposite direction and get really aggressive and really start calling them names and, 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 and hate, you know, like all that kind of stuff, but actually just kind of taking a pause and just saying something like, Hey, um, you know, I just, I just want to let you know what you're saying right now uh, is actually making me a little uncomfortable or, you know, I'm feeling a little, um, you know, feeling a little like this way or that way. And, uh, and, and putting a, a name to it, I think it really helps mm -hmm. too. And like that also creates some space and, and, and it invites a truth that is, that, that one person is experiencing that could potentially be a shared communion between two people that can open up to a whole nother world. Like you were talking about before what you had with your, your ex, like you, yeah, you communicated, I was just thinking about that. You communicated like you were like this, I'm calling it by its name. I'm putting the language yeah. out there. I'm, I'm saying what I feel and think and look what, look what it, what happened. Yeah. It's that showing your belly first thing. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely. And the more we can call ourselves out, I think it like, again, it gives permission to, for others to do the same because there's a fine line. Like someone can, you can say, Oh, well, this conversation is making me feel this way. I mean, for me, or anybody really that still could be triggering because it could feel like blame um so what i might say instead is i'm experiencing feelings of jealousy and i'm also really insecure that expressing these feelings of jealousy is going to make me look a certain way to you and that feels really yucky and i'm embarrassed to even be saying it like, who doesn't respond with love and compassion to that? It's like, oh, yeah, damn. I feel you, man. I've been there. I love that. Um, yeah. 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 It reminds me of um, Robert Anton Wilson, one of my favorite thinkers, authors, uh, said there's a big problem with the word is. Mm -hmm. You know, like he says, I, he's, he says he tries not to use it anymore. Or he said he tries not to use it anymore. He tries to say, it seems to me or it appears to me. And that mm -hmm. just like that changes everything because like mm -hmm. labeling, like saying like, you know, you you're being. Yeah. You saying you starting anything with you. Don't do that. Folks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it seems to me that there's a little tension here right now. You know, it seems yeah. to me that I'm experiencing a little bit. Or of, the difference between you're not making sense and I'm failing to understand fully as deeply as I desire. Can you explain this to me in another way? Yeah. Have you ever right? read the book, uh, nonviolent communication? Yeah. That's what Marshall, R Marshall Rosenberg. I 
have learned everything I know about communication yeah. from that man. Yeah. I listen to his audiobook like once every few months and I'm so sad that he, you know, he's not around anymore, but I sometimes just like fantasize that he's my grandfather because he's like his voice and his stories are just like so wonderful. Yeah. I would highly recommend that book to anyone who wants to improve any of their relationships. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. 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 So much can be changed in the way that we language our reality. You know, like as Terrence McKenna would say, like if you understand the nature of language in reality, then you understand how to manipulate reality. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people have, I don't know who was the originator of saying spelling is casting spells, but it's right. like, you know, that same thing, thoughts become things like we live in this symbolic world and, you know, just changing the way that, you know, just tilting the telescope a degree to this way changes the whole dynamics of, of things. Mm hmm. Especially if you journal, too. I mean, I know mm. you did you just interview Eric Godsey? I've had him on the or show. You, yeah. OK. Yeah. 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 Um, he's a really good friend of mine. And we, we always talk about journaling and it's like, yeah, he's like a journal master. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so am I. I've been doing it since oh, 1997. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you just you just told me. Yeah, you have been. Um, since you were seven. But but um. Like the words we choose and how we tell our story. That was another thing that ayahuasca really, really, really taught me. I actually had this suitcase full of journals come up in that first week of doing ayahuasca back in May of 2019. And it was like, what, like, what does this represent to you? And why are you holding on to these stories? And I, I remember this one day I was just so sick. Like I had this, like it felt like a bowling ball of heavy density in my gut and I was just nauseous and wrestling with it and I couldn't let it go. And I kept saying, it's okay, Hallie, you can let this go. And it was like, no, I don't want to let this go. And I was like, what is this? Inviting it to just show me its face or what what was really going on here. And I realized it was attachment to my own suffering. And I've told this story before, I think on my podcast, but it was like, I was afraid to let go of the literal bag of painful stories that I had written about myself, the spells I had cast into the world that I had written like decrees. Because if I let go of the stories I didn't know who I was anymore. I wasn't in that victim role. And I had been that. I had been painting myself as the hero and, and also the victim, you know, f of what other people were doing to me my entire life. And I literally felt like I was going to die as I knew it if I let go of those stories. And, and the, the ugliest part of it was like, what's really underneath this, Hallie? I felt like my suffering was what made me special. Mm. And by special, I mean better than other people. Yeah. Yeah. And what I realize now is that my suffering does make me special in that it has deepened my capacity to understand, to empathize, to hold space for incredibly traumatic things for other people. But it's different 
there's a different slant on it. Like you're saying, there's a different vibration and a different power around it. Totally. Yeah. And, um, I love, uh, this author, Robert Bly and, and he says, you know, wherever our wounds are is where our genius lies. Like wherever your deepest, mm -hmm. you know, trauma, your wounds, the, the scariest place like Campbell again, like the cave that you fear to enter is the treasure you seek. Like it's all right there you know, waiting for us just to tap into it if we have the courage to do so. And, you know, the thing is, it's, 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 we're fortunate, I think, to be able to do this work and to uncover these truths about ourselves, to investigate and discover who we truly are. And I think because, because of that fortune that we have to be able to go into these places and spaces that it, it requires us to then share that gift too with others, you know, and, 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 and open that up because, you know, for whatever reason, you know, we're the kind of people that have discovered this way. There's many people out there that don't. And I think that we live in a culture that doesn't promote that. You know, we've, we've sort of been like, and I, when I mean culture, I mean like mass culture, you know, pop culture, mass culture, mass media culture, society, and that sort of thing. It's all about like being dependent upon higher institutions and higher powers and, um, you know, not not being an empowered individual and being dependent upon the singular monolithic narratives and stories that the culture's, you know, pooping out, <laughs> you know, whatever that is. Um, so, yeah, really learning to go into these spaces and that it's not weakness, that it's actually strength is a tremendous, uh, a tremendous insight to discover. Yeah. And I encourage everyone to go into those spaces those scary places that aren't so scary. Totally. You nailed it. That's the biggest trick of all. It's like we think that by relaxing into it, we will melt into oblivion or it will be our demise or whatever. And it's like, yes, but only for a moment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It really is like you can choose between the discomfort of a moment of rapturous truth or living with the pain of a lie that you're masking and hiding for a long time from yourself, maybe forever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I truly believe that the, the more people that awaken to the truth of their power and, and, go into the darkness of their traumas and their stories and, and their, you know, victimhood and, and uncover that and unleash that, then the more that creates a ripple effect, just as it does the other way. The more that you live with the masks, you know, the more masks that ripple out into the environment in which we, you know, live in, you know, which makes it, mm. I think, you know, for me, it's like, I, I just want to see, I want to see more of a healthier, more holistic uh, world where we care for, uh, each other, depend on each other and fall more in line with, with, uh, with nature, you know, and then that just creates, it's just a more enjoyable time. And, and as mm -hmm. our mutual friend, Eric Godsey would say, just to, just to also like live it up, have fun and have a lot of orgasms and like laugh, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, cause that's totally, that's what it's about too. It's about really enjoying like the, 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 the deep, rich, fulfilling fun of this life as well. You know, mm. it's not all about doing the heavy work, you know? 
No, it's not. And it's funny that you bring this up because this is another small moment of wisdom in one of my plant medicine experiences with ayahuasca that I would love to share was like, I had to recently step up to face in fullness, I believe what my life is unfolding as, as far as my work and how I'm meant to show up in the world, which was a pretty weighted realization in a lot of ways because it felt like a lot of responsibility and it terrified me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And during that experience, I, again, witnessed sort of a movie trailer of all of the various mammoth events that I have overcome, risen from the ashes over and over and over again in my life, loved and lost, had people die, you know, all of it. And I just watched it and I just held it and I watched it. And it was painful. It was painful to watch. It was like, I don't want to see this. And the message that I was being shown was, you chose this. You knew this would happen before you came. And I I thought, that can't be. I pushed it away. I thought, no way this, you know, still, still after all this work, it was like, no way did I choose this all. How can you honestly tell me that I chose this all? Why on earth would anyone want to come to earth if it's so painful? And then just as they had shown me the suffering, you know, they showed me whatever they is. They showed me why. And I got this second beautiful movie trailer (laughs) of all the juiciest parts of life. It was almost like a tourist commercial for come visit planet earth. And I saw the sparkling aerial views of the expansive oceans and rolling sand dunes and mountains. And I saw eating exotic foods with your hands and sharing a deep sexual experience with a lover and gardening and getting your hands in the dirt and holding babies and smelling flowers. And it was like smashed into this singularity. And I went, oh, that's why I came here. Yeah, yeah makes sense i remember now (laughs) yeah wow i like really felt that as you were describing that too yeah it's i I, man like i just think that if there's anything that we should take back from the psychedelic experience of course love is a given right um but also just the joy and the bliss of diversity and novelty that, that, that we're, we find ourselves in this world that wants to move more towards this kind of, you know, I call it like the, um, like the, you know, the, the pharmaceutical antidepressant kind of model of just stay in the middle, 
things are all right. Just kind of go with the flow and just kind of go along with this one singular narrative of, of reality. You know, like this is the, the piece of paper where you're allowed, this is the, the, uh, the, the diagram or whatever of allowable thought expression and opinion. This is what's allowed to experience, but you have a psychedelic experience that blasts wide open and you understand the totality of and the magnitude and the gravity of the dark and the terrible and the destructive and the cre- and the joyful and the blissed out and the exuberant and the unctuous and all this stuff. I mean, it's magical. And, and it's, um, I forget who was talking about this recently, but they were saying, I think it was uh, Alan de Botton, who's a philosopher and, and runs a YouTube channel, the school of life says like, uh, you know, I, I don't often cry when I'm, when I'm, uh, or I don't often cry when I'm in pain. I cry in joyful and beautiful moments because I'm so taken by them and I know that they're impermanent, you know? And it's like, what a gift to experience everything that you just laid out, you know? It's just like this, the mountains and the earth and the animals and the sex and the babies and the, all the, th- just everything that the human experience can can provide. And it's available to those who want to venture into that that room. When you open the door to that room and you keep opening doors, like it doesn't just expand in one direction. It doesn't just expand in hedonic pleasure. It expands in the whole circumference of the territory expands. And it's like, you chose that. Like you said, deal me into this game, didn't you? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, what a wonderful world. <laughs> what a wonderful world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. This has been, this has been such a great conversation. Our first conversation and it just kind of mm-hmm. flowed. I'm, I'm really happy with the way that, we, that it went. How about you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's been my absolute pleasure for sure. Awesome. Any like parting thoughts or final things that are present for you right now that you're thinking about feeling? Hmm. Just feeling really grateful, just feeling like I want to say this to everyone too. Um, I posted about this on my Instagram the other day, the Thought Room Instagram, and it was just like there's there's been a lot of memes and things floating around like how are you going to use this time and what are you going to what are you going to do with it? Like how, how are you going to show up? Like don't be lazy, don't squander it away. And I posted about really trying to play again in this space of the feminine and I haven't been posting that much and I, you know, I've been going through my own little like dips into depression and just being like, ooh, ooh, this is fun. Okay, just riding this. And I want to give other people permission if they're feeling at all like I am or I was to just allow yourself to not have to create anything. You're not falling behind. You are not being lazy. Don't listen to people who are telling you that. I mean, they mean well but you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And the most beautiful things come from a little period of fermentation. So whatever you put out, it's going to be ripe and rich and ready when it's ready. And you don't have to be anywhere than exactly where you are. You're, you're worthy. And when it's the time, it's the time. Perfect. So yeah. And plug your, um, 
all your stuff, your Instagram and, and podcasts and everything. Sweet. So people can find my personal Instagram. It's uh, Hallie underscore Rosebud. So H-A-L-L-I-E underscore Rosebud. My podcast is called The Thought Room. It's available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you want to get your podcasts. And the Instagram for that is at Thought Room Podcast. And then also if people are interested in Lunar Wild, the website is LunarWild.com. We also have at Lunar Wild on Instagram. I can also maybe uh, offer a coupon code for your listeners, which... I can make one for you later. It can, maybe it can be Mikeadelic and, uh, and give that to you to put in the show notes. Cool. And yeah, and if anyone's interested in plant medicine at Soltara Healing Center, because I spent so much time there as a part of their team, they can feel free to reach out to me about that. And I also have a discount code for Soltara, which is just Thought Room, and it's $200 off any plant medicine retreat at Soltara Healing Center. Awesome. Thanks, Hallie. Yeah. And Soltara, I've yet to go, but I know a lot of people there who've been there uh, who say good things, including yourself, people that work there, good friends of mine from the temple who who were there, and uh, and some healers, I think, that go and participate there. So I hope to get there soon, hopefully when this whole thing dies down and I can fly again. Uh, but thank you so much, Hallie. This was so great. And thanks for, uh, for everything that you're doing to uh, help improve Help, uh, what does Jack Cornfield say? He says, touch the part of the garden that you can reach. So, mm, yeah, thank you for doing, doing your part in the ecosystem of ideas and thoughts in this new kind of uh, awakening movement that uh, is occurring. Thank you so much, so much, Mike, and thank you for everything and having me today. You got it. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you did, go and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a five-star rating and a review if you feel like writing something. Uh, that would be great. It helps the show a lot. helps us bump us up in the uh, Apple algorithm, get the podcast exposed to more people. So if you like the show, go ahead and do that. If you want to go a step further, go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank. You can donate, become a patron, be a part of the Mikeadelic Inner Sanctum WhatsApp chat group of people chatting and connecting all around the world, refining the others, bringing them together, creating community. One of my favorite things to offer. I also release bonus episodes. Sometimes I do episodes that are kind of raw and kind of beta test them for the producers of the show, which are my patrons, the people who support the show. Big shout out to everybody that's a patron. Thank you for your love and support. If you want to do a one-time donation, go to my website, mikebrank.com. Go to PayPal and do a one-time donation if you feel that. And uh, I really like the method of donation. It's a, it's a gifting mentality. And reading Charles Eisenstein's books recently and his talks have really kind of made me embrace the spirit of the gift, of giving and gifting. And what better time than this holiday season to be generous and to give 
And, you know, if you like the show, just tell, tell people about it, spread it, share it. Also, contact me. Go to my email uh, on my website, the contact page, mikebrank.com. Reach me on Instagram, mikeadelic underscore podcast. Hit me up on Facebook. Send me your messages. Send me your thoughts. Send me guest suggestions, ideas. Share your story with me. Reach out. Give me feedback. What do you like? What don't you like? And uh, I love to hear from people. I always respond. So uh, you can go ahead and do that. If you're interested in CBD, we have Hemp Bombs as a sponsor. You can go to hempbombs.com, get all kinds of CBD stuff. And um, I used to take their their gummies. I think I'm going to start taking them again. I ran out, so I got to get some more. But uh, they're really good. And um, yeah, check it out. If you're interested in CBD, you want to give it a try, put in the code Mike15 at checkout and get 15% off all of your CBD wants, desires, needs, and so forth. Big shout out to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. And uh, of course, thanks to Muse, who uh, I mash up their song and put the Terrence McKenna clips and everything in without their permission, but somehow I'm still able to do it. So thanks, because I love that. And uh, what else? I don't know. Thank you so much to everybody for your love and support, for listening. And yeah, I really, uh, really, 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 from the bottom of my heart, really can't express how grateful I am that out of all the podcasts out there that you choose this one to listen to. And uh, yeah, uh, like I said, let's really make this a collaborative effort. If there's something that you hear, that you notice, you know, something going on with the show that you're like, hey, you used to do this or you do that, or I'd like to see this, or hey, did you ever think about that? Shoot me a message. I'm open. I communicate. I message back. I like this to be a collaborative effort. I want more community involved in this. So anyway, thanks. And uh, till next time, peace.